Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. So we started a new message series last week called Selfless, and we talked about how we're going to try to be less self-centered in the new year and be more selfless, right? And so last week we talked about making more Jesus in us and less of ourselves. Today we're going to talk about another way to do that, and that is through service. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 23. If you have the Version Bible app, if you hit that events tab and, and search for Calvary or search our zip code, we're in there. You can have all the notes and the verses there. Matthew chapter 23. Now, it's funny. We live in a world that has always been self-centered, right? Ever since the Garden of Eden, it's, everything's been about who? Me, me, me. But it seems like it's getting a little more pronounced, and I think that's part of that is through the social media culture that's out there and the selfie culture that's out there. But um, I was reading about a guy that asked a bunch of, of teenagers, I think more middle school age, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, it used to be I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a firefighter. You know, it's a great occupation. I want to be a pastor, you know, one of those things. You know what the biggest one was now? I want to be a celebrity. I want people to look at me. And it's because anybody can be a celebrity now with TikTok, YouTube, all the different social media platforms. Anybody can be. And there's a whole new subculture growing up of people selling, you know, they used to sell self-help books. Now they sell self-promotion books, how to sell yourself online. So it's, it's a big world. But Jesus says something totally different in Matthew chapter 23, in verse 11. He's actually talking to religious leaders, and these are people who love to be first, who love to be the greatest. Matthew 23 and verse 11, it says this, the greatest among you must be a what? Servant. If you want to be great, be one who serves. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus totally flips religious culture on its head here. He said, if you want to be great, you have to serve. And so I would say today, if you want to, if we want to make more Jesus in our new year and less of ourselves, we need to do what? Serve. We need to find places to serve. Find places to get plugged in. Find places to put Jesus first. So how do we do that? Well, to be a great servant, we first, we have to be willing to take lowly jobs. In Acts chapter 9, there's this great story about a lady named Dorcas. I know you're like, if you have middle school sense of humor like I do, you kind of snicker at the name. Uh, she was also called Tabitha, which is a little better, right? But in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, it said there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room, but the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes that Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called all the widows in and all the believers and presented them to her alive. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. It is a great story. Peter, you know, God used Peter to raise this lady from the dead. But what was even cooler to me 
It said she was always doing kind things for who? The poor. This lady was known for serving the poor. And even in death and then in resurrection, she was reaching people. And I kind of wonder if people said, hey, do you know you? What would they say? They're always doing what? They're always doing serving others? They're always putting others first? Or are they, are they always complaining, grumbling, self-promoting, finding fault? You know, it's one of those that really kind of makes you stop and think, doesn't it? But all of a sudden, she was always doing kind things. She was making clothes for people. You wouldn't want that. You'd have sleeves here and here if I did that. Um, I had to find other ways to serve. But she was always helping others. And so I want to take a look really quickly at the life of David a little bit. Because David was a great servant who became a great leader. So how do we be great? Well, to be a great servant, we have to be willing to take lowly jobs. And we see that before David was celebrated by a nation, he served in obscurity. What was King David's very first job? Shepherd. Shepherd. Who wants to be a shepherd? No one. <laughs> That's the one like the youngest kid gets stuck being the shepherd, right? Like nobody wanted to be a shepherd because you hung out with sheep who were, well, to be nice, they're stupid, right? Sheep are just not very smart animals, right? They don't smell very good. They're always in trouble. They're always putting themselves at risk. You have to constantly watch. It's almost like having 30 toddlers. You know, they're always putting things in their mouths. They're always, you know, all those things. So, David was a shepherd, and in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that Samuel was told to anoint the new king of Israel. So he shows up in the city, and he, he finds Jesse, David's dad, says, hey, bring your kids. I'm going to anoint a new king. And they didn't even bring David to the party. Like, Samuel goes through the list. You know, he's like, here's my son. He's, he's the one. Nope, not him. Here's my other. Nope. Here's my other. Nope. And then finally, Samuel says, don't you have any other kids? He says, well, we have one, but he's out in the sheep with the sheep. And they said, well, go get him. And David was anointed king at that point. But he said, he's, he, he's out there. And what was David doing when he was a shepherd? He was learning. David was learning skills, serving in obscurity that would launch him into larger service. And guys, sometimes we say, God, use me for something great. And we realize that while we're serving in obscurity, while no one knows who we are, we're learning the skills that God will use to do something great through us later. So guys, don't ever feel like, well, right now I'm not doing anything big. God could never use me. Maybe God is training you for what's next. Maybe God is using serving students. Maybe God is using your job that's so frustrating. Maybe he's using that irritating neighbor to lead you and to learn how to, to do what's next. There was a, there was a young pastor who, uh, he just came out of Bible college, and he got on staff at a church. He was an associate pastor, and he was kind of one of those. He served in obscurity. You know, the associate pastor job, sometimes you do everything that nobody else wants to do. There's this great line in the job description for an associate or staff pastor that says, and anything else the senior pastor asks you to do. That's where they get you. Hey, I want you to go do this. So he was doing this, and finally the senior pastor was out of town and said, hey, you're up. You're going to preach on Sunday. So he's like, yes, I get my time in the spotlight. So he, he prepares, he gets everything ready, he wants to see everybody how intelligent he is, and he gets up and he delivers this really eloquent sermon that's just way up here. And after church, one of the influential little ladies in the church came up and said, Pastor, I want you to know, that sermon was just like the peace of God. He said, oh, thank you. She said, it passed all understanding. <laughs> I just, sometimes we want to we be great. We have to learn in what? Obscurity. You have to take the lowly jobs. And if we want to be a great servant... 
We have to learn that way. So before David was a great leader, he served in obscurity. Before David was a great warrior, he was a faithful shepherd. David learned. And while David was out tending sheep for his family, his brothers are out at war. Remember, his brothers served in the military. And we see in 1 Samuel 17, and um, starting in verse 34, David was out as a shepherd. Remember his dad said, hey, David, I want you to take some food to your brothers who are up on the front lines and, and kind of see how things are going. So David's like, all right. So he takes the food. He goes up to the front lines. And if you remember, the Israelites were facing off against their enemies. And remember, there was this one giant. Remember what his name was? Goliath. Right? And Goliath would come out. And, and so they would do this thing sometimes. Like, instead of just killing everybody, they would send out their champion. Say, hey, bring out your best warrior. We'll let these two fight it out. And if, if they win, then you become our slaves. If, if your guy wins, we'll become your slaves. That way we don't have to kill each other all day. And so they send out this enormous guy, Goliath, out there, and he taunts Israel, and he makes fun of their God. And, and David shows up, and, and the king's like, if anybody will go out and beat this guy, I'll, I'll let him marry my daughter, and you're exempt from taxes for the rest of your life. And David went, huh, sounds like a pretty good deal, right? So David says, hey, let me go fight him. And they're like, oh, you're just a little guy. You're just a wee little man. You can't do that, right? And look at what David says, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. David said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after with a club and rescue the lamb from his mouth. Can you imagine going after a lion with a stick and winning? You're a bad little dude, right? I beat it to death and take the, take the lamb back. If it turns on me, I catch it by its jaw and club it to death. I've done this from both lions and bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So Saul finally said, all right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. So he's basically saying, go die, but okay. But what was David saying? As I've been serving as a shepherd, I've been learning what? The skills I need to do something great as a shepherd. And so when that lion came, David could have said, oh, take it. <laughs> but he didn't. He said, hey, let me learn. And guys, some of you are serving in places and you just say, God, I don't think he even sees me. He doesn't see the things I'm doing for these other people, but he does. God saw that David was faithful with the sheep and the goats and he promoted him, right? Guys, sometimes when we're in those lowly places, God is getting us ready. I read a book one time. I can't even remember the title of it. But the author was saying sometimes in these quiet places, these places that feel like wintertime in our spiritual lives is when we're growing the most. And she said it's kind of like a tree. You know what trees do in the wintertime? They get stronger. They lose all their leaves. But what are they doing under the ground? They're growing their roots. They're getting stronger to hold up in the spring winds and the summer winds. They're growing. And they said, you know, in this time, you might be saying, I feel like I'm, I'm dead. I feel like there's nothing happening. God might be growing your roots. He might be making you stronger. He might be teaching you skills you need down the road. I remember when Amy and I served in our last position, I, I served as a prison guard. And I don't like conflict. I like everybody just to get along and be happy. You know what being a prison guard is? Conflict. All day long. All the time. And I learned skills that I've used now on other people. I've learned how to defuse situations. I've learned how to, you know, walk into a room full of enemies sometimes, you feel like. Um, and you learn. And God was teaching me in that time. I was like, Lord, please let me out of here. I want to go somewhere else. God was training me and things I could do down the road. I learned who I was in Christ. And so some of you are in a desert place, but God is teaching you. 
So David got to know the Lord better in that time in the, with the sheep. He spent time with the Lord and he grew. So, and then before David was a great king, he was a great shepherd. He was in the sheep, but he was asked to go find his brothers. David was willing to take on menial jobs, but he was a great servant. To be great someday, we have to be willing to do little things today. To be great someday, we have to be willing to do the little things today. So don't despise those little things. And I love this line, the pathway to promotion comes through service. The pathway to promotion comes through service. So guys, some of you are in training today and you don't even realize it. And to be a great servant, we have to be willing to offer our lives. We have to be willing to offer our lives and our stuff. I love this story in the book of John. <coughs> Sorry. In the book of Luke, actually, um, about Jesus writing, and we'll read it here in just a moment, but um, we have to be willing to offer our lives. In Zechariah chapter 9, there's a prophecy. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout and triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king comes riding to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus came, and Jesus shows up in the triumphal empty entry, riding on a donkey. But this Old Testament prophecy was fulfilled with the help of a nameless Israelite. Hundreds of years before, this Israelite is being prepared. In Luke chapter 19, verse 30, it says, Go into that village over there, Jesus told his disciples. As you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say the Lord needs it. So they went out and they found the colt, just as Jesus said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked him, why are you untying that colt? And they said, simply, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. This Israelite had no clue that as the disciples came and took this donkey, the Lord was fulfilling a 500-something-year-old prophecy through them because they were willing to what? Let them use their donkey because their donkey was available to the Lord. And here's a thought, guys. How many of you ever given how, <laughs> how many of you have ever given someone a ride to church? How many of you you might be changing someone's life, answering some parent's prayer just by using your car? Just by offering yourself. How many of you have ever taken a meal to someone that's sick? Right? God might be using you and your lasagna or your casserole to change someone's life because you're willing to be used. This nameless Israelite didn't even write his name in Scripture. He was used to fulfill a prophecy that had been given 500 years before. So to be a great servant, we have to be willing, or our lives must be available. Our lives must be available to the Lord. Our stuff, our lives, our time, everything. And we don't know if this guy had one donkey or if he had a whole lot of donkeys. Like if he had a donkey sale yard, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that it said this donkey had never been ridden. It still had that new donkey smell to it. I think all donkeys smell. But he was willing to let the disciples take his brand new donkey for Jesus to ride on. We have to be willing to give our lives. And we don't see him arguing. We don't see him throwing a fit. He didn't say, hey, I need a tax ride off for that donkey's use. It's got miles on it now. The depreciation just kicked in. We don't know. 
But he was willing. And to be a great servant, we have to be willing to not get the credit. And so here's the thing, guys. Are we willing to do something for someone else even though no one else knows? So in this new year, are we willing to take the lowly jobs like David? Are we willing to allow God to train us through those lowly jobs? Are we willing in this new year to allow Jesus to have our time, to allow Jesus to have our talents, to allow Jesus to have our stuff? Are we willing? And here's the last. To be willing, to be a great servant, we have to be willing to put in the work. We have to be willing to put in the work. There's this story about this guy, he got stranded on the side of the road. He was hitchhiking, and this big thunderstorm comes, and it's just dumping rain everywhere, and he's trying to hitchhike into town. And finally, this car shows up. Um, it comes towards him, and it stops. And without thinking about it, he just jumps right into the car, jumps into the back seat. But he realizes there's nobody driving. And the car's just kind of moving down the road real slow, and he sees this curve coming. He's like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to go off the road. And just at the last minute, a hand reaches in the window and turns the wheel. Totally freaked out. He can't see anything. It's raining. It's dark. It's storming. But every time a curve comes or a hand reaches in and turns the wheel a little bit. So finally, he's had enough. He jumps out of the car and he sprints down the road. He sees a sign for the next town. He goes into a restaurant and sits down. And he's just shaking and he's pale. And people are like, dude, are you okay? He's like, no, I was in a ghost car. Like, he was driving on its own and this ghost hand would come in and turn the wheel. A few minutes later, these two guys come walking in just soaked to the bone. I said, there's an idiot that jumped in the car while we were pushing it. So, wasn't even willing to help. So we understand that a servant's heart leads to what? Action. A servant's heart leads to action. If we want to serve Jesus better in the new year, we have to be willing to put in the work. We have to be willing to do the stuff, to get involved. In John chapter 13, we see this incredible picture of Jesus. It's the night before he was going to be betrayed, the night before he was going to the cross, and he had dinner with his disciples. So they show up to this house. And typically a house would have a servant who would do what? Wash people's feet. Because at the time you wore sandals, your feet got dusty. There was donkey and camel stuff in the roads, horse stuff in the roads. Your feet were disgusting. And the lowliest servant in the house would wash your feet. And so they all come in. They're all sitting down. Everybody's kind of looking at each other like, well, who's the lowliest? Who's going to wash our feet? If you remember, Jesus gets up, puts on a towel, grabs some water, and washes the disciples' feet. And it was this incredible picture of Christ, who's God in flesh, the one who created the world, was willing to put in the work and wash the disciples' feet. Even though he should have been served, he was willing to serve. And in John, this is in John chapter 13, in verse 12 of John chapter 13, it says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is a messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now, is Jesus telling us to go out and wash other people's feet? Not necessarily. What's he telling us to do? Serve. He said, be willing to serve. Be willing to put in the work. Be willing to take the lowly position. Be willing to do the menial tasks that other people don't. Because as we said earlier, menial tasks do what? 
They train us. They teach us. Because, guys, we have no idea what God wants to do with us. We have no idea. And, guys, I think until we get to heaven, we're never going to know some of the things God has done through you. We're never going to know the people that were impacted by us making blankets for others, as these young ladies have done. Nobody's going to know what taking meals to a sick person or serving in youth ministry or teaching Sunday school or giving people a ride to church or hosting a small group in your home. Nobody knows the impact you've had until heaven. But be willing to put in the work. Be willing to do the menial jobs that no one else does. Be willing to do that. He said, because God will bless you when you do them. So a servant's heart leads to action, and a servant's heart is revealed through action. We have to understand that serving is not just what we do. Serving is who we are. Serving is who we are. I love James. James is actually one of Jesus' brothers. It's one of the greatest books in the Bible because James just lays it out exactly how it is. It makes my Missouri heart really happy when I read this. James chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to what he says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you have faith but don't show it by your actions? He said, if you just believe but you don't ever do anything with it, you're really not doing much. What good is it if you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. You say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Wow. Now, some may argue, well, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So is James saying that to be a Christian, you have to do things? No. Is James saying that those things will save you? No. But he's saying if you have faith, you need to show it by doing things by serving, by doing things for other people. And guys, we don't always know. I love in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talks about how God can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine by his power that's at work within us. We have no idea the kind of things God can do through us if we're simply willing to serve. So my challenge to you, my challenge to us this year is say, Lord, how would you use me? What would you like to do through me? Let me find places and then go look for those things. Matthew Barnett leads this incredible church in Los Angeles that reaches the homeless and the drug dealers and the prostitutes. And his big thing is just find a need and what? Fill it. See something that needs done and just do it. Just do it. He has this incredible story about this lady that came to him one day, and he was preaching a message like this and saying, ask God to show you what you can do. And I kid you not, this lady came and says, Pastor, I think God wants me to reach the pimps, the guys who have prostitutes. And he said, okay, God bless you, go do it. <laughs> and it kind of like Saul, go die now, right? But she did, and so she comes up to him this one Sunday and says, Pastor, they're coming to church. And he said, who? And she said, the pimps, they're coming to church. He said, okay. And he said, this whole line of pimps come in, and you know how they, they got the, the big long coats and the fuzzy hats and, and the, the caps on their teeth and all these things. And he said, this whole row of them shows up and sits in church. He's like, Cool. So he gives an altar, he prays, and, and he gives this altar call at the end of service for people to give their hearts to Christ. And all the pimps come down to the front. And he said, you cannot believe the light blinging off all their rings and their stuff. And he said, this whole line of pimps gave their hearts to Jesus. But you know what happened? That lady went out and served the pimps. 
She said, Jesus loves you. What can I do to help you? What can I do to serve you? They're an overlooked group. They're despised, right? But she was willing to go to these guys and, and say, how can I love you? How can I serve you? What can I do for you to show you that Jesus cares about you? And they came to Christ because of that. And the guy said, well, now we have a pimp ministry. That's awesome. Probably the only church in the world that has a pimp ministry. But he was willing to do that. They were willing to do that. And a servant's heart leads to fruitful ministry, as we see. Because in Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story just kind of like this. But he says to his disciples at the end of days, when I was in prison, you came and visited me. When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was naked, you gave me clothing. And they said, when did we do any of those things? In Matthew 25, 40, the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So guys, when we're serving those others, when we're serving other people, when we're doing things for people who can't pay us back, we're actually serving who? Christ. Jesus said, when you do to one of the least of these, you're doing that to me. So guys, when you take your neighbor food, when you, when you go shovel their driveway, when you do these different things to show them that Jesus cares for you, you're actually doing it to Christ. You're serving Jesus through serving others. And so you might be doing things now that no one else sees. You might be doing things for people that can never pay you back, but Jesus sees. He's going to reward you for that. But even more than that, he's training you. He's training us to do those things. When we take those times out, when we befriend the outcast, when we invite those kids to sit at our lunch table that nobody else loves, when we go to that person at work that everybody else makes fun of and we, we show them love, when we go to that person that irritates us and show them mercy because we were shown mercy, when we sponsor a missionary who's out doing things in the field for the least of those, we're actually serving Christ. When we teach the junior high class, when we serve at VBS, when we buy Christmas gifts for kids who don't even know who you are, you're actually serving who? Christ. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. And I'm going to ask us to take a few minutes this morning and, and pray. And say, Lord, what would you have me do in this new year? How would you have me serve in this new year? Because I can tell you guys, there are people sitting in this room, there are people watching at home who've, who've done things that they never thought they would ever do. I know a couple years ago, Al and Angie Copper were sitting in a service, and they said, hey, I feel like God wants to start some kind of new ministry. And I was like, cool. They said, we, we want to do something for people that can't do other things. And they had this crazy dream, right? Has that been four, four years? Five? Yeah, it's been a long time. And this thing has exploded. They're reaching people that they don't even know. They're serving people that they have no clue. They, people show up with nothing and Homes provides furniture. They provide a hotel rooms. They provide diapers. They do things. You know, Kathleen Roos came up one year and she said, I think God wants me to serve in youth ministry. She said, I'm not really that age demographic anymore. And Kitty and Adrian have her serving. She serves every Wednesday. She's out here serving snacks to kids. And they come in and she smiles. She brings cookies from home sometimes for them and, and serves them. We have people who, who say, well, I, I can't do a whole lot, but I can pray. And some of you have been prayed a lot by people that you don't even know 
that are praying for you because they said, I can't get out, I can't do anything, but I'll pray for people. So, you know, these are just some of the things that God is doing through people in our community. There, there are so many stories here sitting in this room. There's so many stories watching online. I couldn't tell them all. But God is doing things. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning and maybe God's telling you to do something crazy. Maybe God's asking you to reach out to someone that you don't like. Maybe God's asking you to, to start a new ministry or to get plugged into a different ministry. Maybe God's telling you he wants you to, to do something that you would have never dreamed. But we have no idea what God can do through us if we simply say yes. So Lord, I just pray that all across this room, all watching online today, that you would reach into our hearts wherever we're at. And would you prod us a little bit? Would you poke us? Would you drop dreams into our hearts today of ways that we can serve? Would you, would you give us ideas? Would you show us what's possible if we simply say yes? Because Lord, I know some of us have served so many people that we have no idea, but we know that you do. So God, would you convict us? Would you encourage us today? So I'm just going to ask you a real simple question. If you're here and you say, you know, Pastor, I want to offer my life. I want to offer to take the lowly jobs, to do the lowly menial tasks that others may not see. I, I want to offer my stuff to Jesus. I want to offer myself to serve. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I just, I just want to serve. Yeah. So what I just pray for all these who said yes. God, we give ourselves to you to use however you see fit. We're your servants. Lord, would you use us? Would you give us dreams of ways that you can serve? Would you give us ideas of ways that we can serve? Would you use us to further your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name.